Back in uh, 1991, uh, the President of the United States was George H.W. Bush, and his approval rating uh, after the uh, first Gulf War was at 90%. Only 10% of people did not approve of the job that President Bush, the first President Bush was doing. 90% of people uh, approved of the job he was doing. He had an approval rating of 90%. The next year, 1992, uh, in the midst of a recession, his approval rating dropped to 36%. In one year, from 90% to 36%. 10% disapproved, 64% of people disapproved in just one year. And uh, the election that year, 1992, uh, was between uh, Bill Clinton and uh, the first George, uh, the first President Bush, George H.W. Uh, and so uh, in that election, uh, Bill Clinton had a campaign advisor. His chief campaign strategist was a man named James Carville. And James came up with this, this very simple uh, statement of what they were going to build their campaign around. Again, we were in the midst of a terrible recession in 1992, and uh, Carville came up with this phrase. It's the economy, stupid. That's what it was. It's the economy, stupid. I mean, they could have thought of a thousand different strategies to try and win the White House, but they came back to that one simple phrase. It's the economy, stupid. And, and the rest, as they say, is history. Thank you very much. Okay, the President of the United States, just a little boy from Hope, Arkansas. Anyway, so uh, like I said, the rest is history. You know, Clinton was elected and, and yada, yada, yada. So, um, but it, you know, it, it, it all came down to just a very simple statement, a very simple phrase. Uh, how many of you are familiar with the uh, acronym KISS? All right, KISS means keep it simple, s- silly. We're in church. Nobody's stupid. Uh, maybe this guy. But anyway, um, so uh, keep it simple, silly, or keep it simple, stupid. It depends on how you say it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's about keeping it simple. And sometimes we complicate life, and we complicate matters of faith. We complicate our lives. Uh, we want uh, all kinds of, we just have all kinds of complicated uh, theories and strategies. And, and, and we make life really, really complicated, don't we? I asked you earlier today uh, about the easy button. You know, wouldn't it be great if the, the Staples easy button was real? I mean, it was like, you know, you're having a fight with your spouse, you know, and you're going at each other. It's like, you know, it's like you're just not getting along, you know, and just be great if you could just go, okay, it's over, you know. And it would just simplify things. It would just simplify matters. You just hit that easy button and, and, and everything works itself out. Or, or maybe your, your work, you know, maybe you're at work, uh, and uh, you're not getting along with your coworkers, not getting along with your boss, and you just don't understand why all these things are happening. And it'd just be great if you had the easy button, just everything works itself out. It makes things so much more simple. Or you're helping your kid do his math homework. <laughs> yeah, you know, the new math, right? And your uh, bubble math, they call it, I think. And it's like, what in the world is this? I need an easy button now <laughs> to help my kid with his math homework. So... Um, or, or you know what, even at church, I think sometimes at church, we make things more complicated than they have to be. Sometimes in church, in our walk with Jesus, uh, in matters of faith, uh, we make things more complicated than they have to be. And it would be great if there was like a spiritual easy button that we could just 
press that easy button. It would just make everything much more easy to understand and make everything more simple. If we could just keep it simple, silly, then it would be so much better. But we complicate matters of faith. We complicate things at church. We complicate matters in our relationship with Jesus. And we think, I got to do this, I got to do that, and I got to do these thousand things, and I got to keep all these plates spinning in the air. And it'd be just great if we could just hit that easy button and everything worked out. Wouldn't that, be more, wouldn't that be nice? Just have an easy button. Whether we're at home or at work or helping with the homework or, uh, or here at church, if we just push an easy button, make things so much better, so much simpler. If we could just employ the KISS method, the K-I-S-S method, in our faith, and make things easier with God. And I think sometimes we, we do. We complicate things so much of I, I, you know, I got to do this, and I got to do that, and, and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, and, and, and I talk to people who are just like, I, I just wish it was so much, I, wish, I just wish it was easier. I just wish it was more simple. Well, the good news is, Galatians chapter 2 that we're going to talk about today, kind of an easy button for faith, because it really makes it simple. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it is true. We're going to talk today about the easy button of faith. And we'll find it in Galatians chapter 2. Now, we have been studying the book of Galatians here on Sunday morning uh, for the past few weeks uh, with our new connection groups. Uh, our connection groups are sermon-based uh, this go-round. Uh, and so I'm, I hope you're going to your connection groups. If, if you signed up for one, I hope you're being, uh, able to go to those and, and are getting a lot out of those. Uh, just so you're aware, coming up in a couple of, uh, in a few weeks after we finish this series, we're going to have another round of signups for connection groups. So if you didn't get into one this time around, you definitely want to get into one the next time around. Our connection groups are great. We're talking about the sermons. We're talking about Galatians, uh, getting to know one another, building deep relationships uh, here on a, uh, a horizontal level, as well as building a deeper relationship with God on a vertical level. Uh, so we definitely want you to get, think about joining a, a connection group uh, coming up uh, around Easter time when we have signups again. Uh, but for right now, uh, we're going to talk about Galatians chapter 2 today. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the churches of the area, the region of Galatia. Now, if you haven't been here, uh, let me just kind of catch you up real quick about where we're at. The region of Galatia, uh, the ancient uh, region of Galatia, is in what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, so we're talking, you know, way over there in the Middle East. Uh, and um, so the, the churches of Galatia were made up uh, of both Jews and Gentiles, but a lot of Gentiles. Uh, and so the Gentiles were coming to faith in Jesus, uh, and they had been excluded from the family, from the people of God for, for millennia uh, because they were not Jews. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, God called the Jewish people to be his own, and he called them to be his people. And the Gentiles were excluded. Uh, the sign, the outward sign of being uh, God's people, the outward sign for the Jews was circumcision. And so this whole book is about, uh, it's really about what it means to be, what it takes to be a Christian, what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. Do you have to follow the Old Testament law of Moses? Do you have to obey the Old Testament law uh, before you can become a follower of Jesus? So uh, in their case, in this, in this instance, did you have to become a Jew outwardly uh, through circumcision in order to become a Christian. 
Uh, and Paul is going to argue that we have freedom from the law of Moses and from, not even from the law of just the law of Moses, but we have a freedom from law. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. We have this freedom from law that uh, allows us to experience the grace of God. And I love this book. I'm falling in love with, with Galatians, uh, this whole idea of freedom. For many years, I've tried to figure out what does it mean to be free? What does it mean to have freedom in Christ? Does it mean I can do whatever I want? Uh, and does it mean that I, I don't, there are no rules? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about uh, freedom uh, that comes through Jesus Christ. Uh, and if we have freedom from our past, we have freedom from the guilt and the shame of our past, uh, but Jesus frees us from our past. And today we're talking about how Jesus frees us by faith. And, uh, it's, and like I said, this is the easy button of, of, of Christianity. This is the easy button of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so we're going to hit that easy button today, and we may hit it repeatedly. So um, grab your Bible. If you brought a Bible, great. Uh, turn to Galatians chapter 2. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, turn to Galatians 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 823. Uh, the words will be up here on the screen, or you can use your favorite app, such as Bible Gateway or version on your smartphone uh, or tablet. Now, we're going to cover a lot of ground today, so we're going to go through this pretty quick. We got, we're going to take it in five little pieces. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, we're going to cover the whole chapter today uh, as we talk about uh, how Jesus frees us by faith. So first we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. So now Paul has been talking about how he uh, was, uh, was uh, called by God uh, as an apostle of Jesus. Uh, an apostle, the ancient Greek word for apostle, uh, literally means one who was sent. And so Jesus sent Paul to be uh, his ambassador to the Gentiles. Peter and the other apostles went to the Jews, but Paul was going to the Gentiles. And so uh, he's been arguing the fact that he was called by Jesus uh, to be an apostle uh, and to spread the gospel, the good news to the Gentiles. So look at uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. Now you've got to know this about Titus, is that Titus was a Greek uh, Gentile uh, convert to Christianity. So T Titus was not Jewish. The others were. Paul was Jewish. Uh, Barnabas was Jewish. But Titus was Greek, meaning he was a Gentile. He says, I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. Now this, what he's talking about, this situation is taking place in Acts chapter 15. It's a Jerusalem conference where they're addressing this issue of how do you become a Christian? How do you become a follower of Jesus? Verse 3. I'm sorry, second half of verse 2. Uh, but I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, again, he's the, the Greek uh, Christian, uh, who was with me was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. So even though he's a Gentile, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem did not force Titus to be circumcised. So they're all on the same page, that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, this matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves, meaning slaves to law. He says, we, uh, we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. So the truth of the gospel is that we are saved. The good news is that we are saved by this free gift of God's grace through faith expressed in Jesus Christ. That that, and that's the only way to be saved. That's the easy button right there. The good news is that the easy button means we are saved by God's grace through faith 
in Jesus. No other way. So it's not by following the law. It's not by following the law of Moses. It's not through circumcision. Uh, it's not through doing, uh, following the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's not through following the 613 laws of the Old Testament. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, grace uh, is, is getting what we don't deserve. So we are saved by God's grace. It's a gift that he gives to us. And we'll talk about how we open up that gift in just a minute. All right, let's keep going. Verses 6 through 11. Sorry, 6 through 10. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. And he's talking about the leaders in the Jerusalem church. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. So Paul says, I'm preaching the good news, the gospel, the good news, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And the, the leaders of the Jerusalem church, the apostles, the, the disciples, the former disciples who were apostles, were not adding anything to his message. They weren't saying, well, you know, you know that's good news and everything, but you've got to add this to it. He's like, nothing. We added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. So you've got Peter who went to the Jew, to, to Jewish people and, and preached the good news of salvation by grace through faith. And then you've also got Paul, who was called to go to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. So you got James, who was one of the leaders in the church of Jerusalem. He is literally the, the uh, flesh and blood brother of Jesus Christ. So you got James, who is Jesus's brother. You've got Peter. We all know who Peter was, the apostle Peter. And John, another apostle, another one of Jesus's disciples sent by Jesus to preach the good news. You got James, Peter, and John, and they uh, gave the right hand of fellowship. Basically, they said, we are brothers in Christ, Paul and Barnabas, and, and I would imagine including Titus as well. All they asked, verse 10, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So, no, nothing added to the message, just make sure you're taking care of the poor, which James, in the book of James, talks about that as well, that we should care for uh, orphans and widows and, and, and the poor, uh, orphans and widows in their distress. So, we're tracking, we got an easy button, we're saved by grace through faith, period. That's the easy button. Look at verse 11. Because now we have a problem. It says, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. We have disagreement. We have a, a, a conflict. Before certain men came from James, that's from Jerusalem, he used to eat with the Gentiles. So Peter, who up until uh, in a point in the book of Acts, when he, uh, when he went to, to uh, to preach to uh, Cornelius and his family. It was a Gentile family. Peter had nothing to do with Gentiles. But after God opened his eyes and helped him see that he needed, uh, to, uh, that he needed to welcome Gentiles into the family of God, uh, until that point, Peter had nothing to do with them. And now he's eating with Gentiles, which under Jewish law would never have happened. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. See, Peter's more worried about what people think about him than what God thinks about him. And so it's, oh, you're hanging out with Gentiles now. No, 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 that's not me, that's not me. <laughs> Remember when he denied Jesus three times? Now he's denying him again. Anyway, um, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas 
was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So Paul is really upset with Peter. And he opposed him, he says, I opposed him to his face. In front of everybody, I called him out. He called him on the carpet. You, you used to eat with the Gentiles, and now you're not. What is up with that? What is up with your hypocrisy? You're pretending to be something that you're not. That's what the word hypocrisy means. The Greek word hypocrinomai, the ancient Greek word for hypocrisy, literally means a, a play actor, someone who wears a mask, someone who pretends to be something that they're not. Peter was percent, pretending uh, to be something that he wasn't. He was going back on his word. He was being a hypocrite. Keep going, verse 15. It says, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, now, so you know, the word the is not there in the Greek. It's not the law as in the law of Moses. It's actually, we are not justified by observing law, any law, any of the 613 laws of the Old Testament. We are not justified by observing law. Now, here's the, the, the thing you've got to know about this word, justified. It's a fantastic word. It's a, the ancient Greek word for justified is a great word. Uh, it, the best way to remember, the easiest way to remember is, it's just as if I'd never sinned. And, and, and it, 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 it's a word that kind of turns you into Teflon. <laughs> um, you know how you have a, like a Teflon pan, you know, and nothing sticks to it? You know, the, the, they advertise them on TV. Uh, you ever watch those uh, As Seen on TV commercials? And, and so it's like they get the goofiest people to do. Have you ever, you know, burned uh, water in a pan? It's like, I've done that. You know, and it's like, are you crazy? What? You know, and it's like, but until I got the easy pan, no, I never burned anything. It's like, sure, okay. Um, but anyway, um, so it, the word justified, literally, it turns you into Teflon because it's not even a matter of you're forgiven. Uh, it's, not, it's a matter, of, it's like you've never sinned at all in any way. That's what God does to you. That he justifies you by his grace through faith in Jesus. And it's just as if you'd never sinned. It, it, it's, they can't even bring charges against you. I liken it to the blackboard when you're in elementary school. Like throughout the week, the teacher's writing on the back blackboard, right? And writing all these things and, and erasing them. And, and I don't even know if they use blackboards anymore. I'm, uh, I haven't been in school in forever. Uh, but, uh, but remember those days, you know? Remember those days back in the day when we had the blackboards in the classrooms? I think, the, yeah, I know. What are you talking about, right? And mine were green. Anyway, so they would erase them, but they would leave, you know, residue of dust. But then you would come in on Monday after the custodians had come through the, the classrooms and washed the boards. And it's like nobody ever, it's like they were brand new. It's like they hadn't even been written on. That's what it means to be justified. It's like you've never sinned at all. You've been completely washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that in a second. So he says, we know then a man is not justified by observing law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that way we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing law, because by observing law, no one will be justified. That's so important. Because we'll hear people say, well, I'm a good person. I obey the Ten Commandments. Or, I, you know, I, I try my best. I, I, I do more good things than bad things. And, and, and that is an attempt to be justified by law. And what does Paul say? No one can be justified 
by law. Nobody. 17 through 21. Let's finish it up. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And if we could be justified by following law, then Jesus died for nothing. Because Jesus died to bring grace into our lives. Jesus died to bring grace and this gift into our lives. And it's so clear to me that this is so much simpler than what we typically do with Christianity. In Romans chapter 6, in Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about how we are saved by grace through faith and, and how that comes about. He says this. Well, Peter, Paul says in, in, in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. And this is what he says in Romans 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. We've been crucified with Christ. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we, he, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And so the easy button is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ when we get baptized. It's in that moment that God washes away our sin. You hit that easy button. In Romans 6, it's so clear. We have been crucified with Christ. We have been buried with Christ. We are united with Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. That's why we baptize by immersion here. It is a, a, a living picture of what it means to be buried with Christ. The Greek word, the ancient Greek word for baptism is baptizo, and it literally means to dip, to immerse, or to plunge. It's a word that is used to describe washing dishes. And when you wash dishes, not like putting them in a dishwasher, you know, which is very convenient, um, but when we wash dishes and you got to scrub your pans, you, you took them, you put them under the water, you scrub them up, you rinse them off, you, you dry them off, you put them away. At least you're supposed to. Mine usually go in the other side of the sink and they sit there for a while. I'm just saying, uh, housekeeper, no. Um, but... Uh, but when we get baptized, we go under the water and we are buried with Christ. We are crucified with Christ. We are buried with Christ. And we are raised to new life just as Jesus was raised. And in that we see the promise of the resurrection that we will one day have. So, my challenge for you today is twofold. If you haven't been baptized yet, you need to get baptized. Jesus commanded that everyone be baptized. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, be baptized, every single one of you. And, and Paul says in Romans 6, all of us who are baptized have been baptized into Christ. We are commanded to be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized yet, you, think, you may say, well, I was, I was sprinkled as a baby. Now, that wasn't your choice. This is your opportunity to make that choice for yourself, to say, I am following Jesus. 
and I am going to be united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the easy button, folks. Doesn't get any easier than that. Now, if you have been baptized, what does this mean for you? What does this easy button mean for you? It means stop heaping rules on yourself and others. Stop making more rules for people to follow. Well, you can't be a Christian if you do this. Or you're not really a Christian if you do that. Or you're not a Christian if you don't belong to my political party. You're not a Christian if you don't belong to my church. You're not a Christian if you don't do things the way that I understand them. If you dance or play cards or drink or smoke or chew or go with girls who do, you know, you're not. Don't put rules on yourself or people that that are going to imprison people, that are either going to imprison yourself or they're going to imprison other people. I like to say it like this. If you're making up rules that you have to follow or that others have to follow in order to keep yourself saved, you're doing it wrong. If you are making up rules that you have to follow or other people have to follow in order to stay saved, well, you can't, you know, you're not going to be saved if you do that. You're not going to be saved if you do this. You're not going to be saved, you know, you're going to, you're doing it wrong. Hit the easy button. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And the grace of God that saved you is the same grace that keeps you saved. The grace of God that saved you is the same grace that keeps you saved. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from the Father through the Son to you. And the Holy Spirit living within you is a seal, a deposit, guaranteeing our salvation. Hit the easy button, folks. Don't make it harder than it has to be. Jesus frees us by faith. By God's grace, through faith in His Son. This is how we're set free. But I don't want you to think for a second that what I'm advocating, because Paul says no, that I'm advocating just sin willy-nilly like it's no big deal. Well, fine, I can do whatever I want. Let's put it this way. Just because I am free to do whatever I want does not mean that I should do whatever I want. Just because I am free to do whatever I want does not mean that I should do whatever I want. All things are permissible, Paul says, but not all things are beneficial. Jesus frees us by faith. Not so that we can go out and sin all over the place. Why would we want to do that? Because what does sin do? Sin kills. Sin destroys. Sin hurts. Sin hurts yourself. Sin hurts other people. When you, has anybody ever, you know, helped somebody by lying? No. Has anybody ever helped somebody? Has anybody ever loved someone by cheating on them? No. Has anybody ever uh, loved somebody uh, and, and sinned against them? No. If we are commanded to love God and to love people unconditionally, if we are commanded to love God and love people with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbors ourselves, if we're commanded to love other people, we're not going to sin against them. If we're gonna, commanded to love God, we're not going to sin against Him. Just because I'm free to do whatever I want does not mean that I should do whatever I want. If I love God, Jesus says in the book of John, if I love God, then I will obey him. My love for God compels me to obey. 
My love for people compels me to love and, and not sin against them. So yeah, you're free. And you're freed by faith. That's the easy button. Hit that easy button. And, and, and make that decision. Make that choice. We offer an invitation every Sunday. We're going to do that in just a minute. If you've never been baptized, we invite you today to come and be baptized. Or if you're not ready yet, give me a call. Come grab me after service and say, I've got to talk to you about this. And we'll have that conversation. Because it's so important. But it's so easy. Jesus frees us by faith.